me uh, Hebrews chapter 8, please. Hebrews chapter 8. <clears throat> I am so anxious to get to the 11 o'clock hour. I, bet I was studying last night and I had a ball just reading and studying. But uh, uh, by the way, I wanted to tell you all, it's Beverly's fault that I got a Lexus because she got my first one for me. And she told me, once you get a Lexus preacher, you'll always have to have a Lexus. So it's Beverly's fault that I got it. Also, Ed's got to pay for it. Oh, Ed's got to pay for it. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, uh, Hebrews chapter 8. Now the things which we have spoken, this is a sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not men. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices. Wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if we're on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, who serve under the example and shadow of heavenly things as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, he saith he, that thou shalt make all things according to the pattern showed to thee in the mount. But now had he obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. <clears throat> for finding fault with them, <clears throat> he said, Behold, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not as according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, because they continued in my covenant. For I regard them not, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel, after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will give them a God and they shall be to me a people. And they shall not teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. In that he saith, a new covenant he hath made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxes old is ready to vanish away. Now, I, I love this chapter. And uh, first of all, verse 1. Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. So he, in, in chapter 8, he starts off and he goes back of all that we have studied up to here. He's going to sum it up for us in this one chapter. And up to here, he's compared the old covenant with the new, that is, law and grace. Aaron's priesthood to the greater Christ's priesthood. Melchizedek, order of priesthood, compared to Christ's priesthood, which is forever. And then he begins, he sums all this up with, in verse 1, he is a minister of the true tabernacle, 
And then he gives his position in his office. His position, he has passed through the veil under heaven itself, that is Christ. The high priest of old could only take care of a few of the people of the world. You think about it for just a minute. Now, we every, every child of God has to have a high priest. You can't get to God without a high priest. Somebody has to go between us. And so, in the old position of the high priest, he could only minister to what he was there seeing at the time. We have a greater high priest which is in heaven, and he can see everybody all over the world. It's not just uh, uh, to a certain little group. And Jesus in heaven can minister to all people all over the world. He's not limited by space or time. So, number two, Jesus is the most gracious position a mediator can occupy. He is the right hand of the majesty in heaven. Jesus' position, notice, if you would please, he is seated. Seated uh, because he is there permanently. He's not ever going to leave that seat again, or that authority again. Seated. And, and if you go back now, and we're talking about he's summing all the things up. Uh, as we read it, the Old Testament priests, uh, they lived till they died, and then another priest would take their place, and so on. Jesus being seated in the heavenlies speaks of he'll never be removed. Death can't bother him. Seated in, in, indicates sonship, heirship, and divine dignity also. And then notice his office in verse 2. A minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not man. The tabernacle and the priesthood of Aaron and all the instruments involved in the sacrifices of the Old Testament were figures and types. That's one of the reasons I like to read, read the Old Testament. And I challenge you to do this as you're reading the New Testament and you come to a doctrinal, a doctrinal statement in the New Testament, you can always go back to the Old Testament and find a type and figure that points to that, and you, then you, it clears it up how it's done. And, and, and the old priesthood. Now, Jesus is the minister of true holy things in the true tabernacle. The priesthood of Jesus is a new and perfect thing and indicates a new and perfect uh, priesthood. Now, look at verse 19 with me, please. Chapter 8, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, verse 10. I can't see too good. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Now, here's the law of law and love in the new covenant. For this is the covenant that I will make. Now this quotation carries us back. If you would please turn back to Jeremiah and I'll show you what I'm talking about. In the book of Jeremiah, uh, chapter 31. If you've got an Old Testament, uh, uh, Old Schofield Bible, page 806. Take you find it real quick. And verse 31. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. 
not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they break, although I will, I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, saith the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts and write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. That's the same thing that he's clearing up here in the book of Hebrews. Now, this is a new covenant. Now, in this new covenant, God will make uh, with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It's not Israel according to the flesh, but of the spiritual Israel, the spiritual seed of Abraham. Turn back now with me to Romans chapter 2. Romans chapter 2. And look with me in verse 28. Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart, in the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. Now, I used to uh, have... Uh, I heard a preacher argue this with a we, we preacher used to meet. is about, oh, I, I don't know how many, sometimes up to 20 of us would meet on Monday morning and have a, a preacher's breakfast. And they would get in discussions about Israel and uh, children of God and what was promised to Israel and what is promised to the church. And some of those preachers wanted to take what God promised to Israel and bring it over in what God promised to the church. That's not true. You have to go back and say there are certain things that God promised to Israel that He did not promise to the church. And there's some things that God promised to the church that He did not promise to, uh, to Israel. For instance, this earth belongs to the Jew. Well, it doesn't belong to you and I. And we're a heavenly people. When we die, we go to the, uh, heaven in heaven and we'll live there forever with the Son of God in heaven. And if you study that new city that's made, we'll have a stairway coming down to this earth, which the Jews will rule and reign on this earth. This earth belongs to the Jew. And you can't take those promises that God made to the Jew and put them over into the church. But when it comes to this covenant here now, notice what he said in uh, verse 31 of... Uh, uh, I mean, Romans chapter 2, verse 28. For he is not a Jew, which is one outward, neither is that circumcision which is outward in the flesh. Now, what made a, a Jew or the sign of a Jew in the Old Testament was circumcision of the flesh. What makes a sign of the Christian to you and I is a circumcision of the heart. What, if, in other words, then if your heart didn't change when you got saved, if the old habits and the old thing were not cut away from you and, and since you got saved, you never got saved in it. And it's just that simple. Go to Romans chapter 9 now. Romans chapter 9 in verse 6. Not as though the word of God had taken none effect, for they are not all Israel, which are Israel, neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they all children, but in Isaac shall thou see be called. Isaac was a child of faith or promise. 
Abraham's son then loved his son Isaac. Now, we are the children of God not because we're Jews. We're sons of God today because we are the children of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it's the same. Now, go to Galatians with me for just a minute. The book of Galatians. And look with me please in chapter 3 and verse 6. Galatians chapter 3 in verse 6. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing is going to talk about Abraham being justified by faith and so on. So, notice now, we are the children of God today, like the children of Israel was the children of God back then, but the difference is our heart has been changed. We've been born again in the family of God. Now, law is present in both the Old and the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, law was engraved in tables of stone. In the New Covenant, it is written on the hearts of men. The laws of God are in our heart. Now, under the Old, the people were led by the hand guided by the invisible symbols of fire and the cloud and so on. Under the new covenant, people are led by the heart, guided by the Holy Spirit that's in us and influences our life. That's the difference. Now, that's the new covenant. Let's go to the third three things here. Law present in the mind. Now, notice verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now, we make this statement that Israel is God's chosen nation. Now, anybody that knows the Bible knows that that's true, right? Does that mean then that every Jew is going to heaven? Absolutely not. What makes the difference under the new covenant that we are made in our hearts. It's not the circumcision on the outside, it's the circumcision on the inside uh, that God's speaking of. And this law was spoken to the outward ear in the old. It was made visible to the bodily eye and it was soon neglected and forgotten. But in the new, in Christ, law is given as a possession of our spiritual nature. It is present within our minds as a rule of action, as a theme uh, for meditation. Law treasured in the heart, beginning in verse 10, again says, and write them in their heart. When a thing is highly esteemed to us, we say that it lies near our hearts. It's the same with one we love, we say that it's nearest to our heart. And so it will, in the new covenant law, it holds a high place in our hearts. It is prized and loved. The law is holy and the commandments holy and righteous and good. It is love as being the expression of our Heavenly Father's will. In other words, you go back to the Old Testament and the law written on stone, they were hard to keep the law. No man could keep those laws. And there were penalties for it. But we have the love of Christ written in our hearts that causes us to love the Lord and to obey the Lord. And so it's written in our hearts. Now, the law embodied in the life. 
Notice again verse 10. The Bible says, Out of the heart are the issues of life. In other words, look at verse 10 now. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. Now the law which Christians love in their hearts, they will express in their lives. Uh, this revelation is the work of the Holy Spirit. It illuminates the mind and inspires the heart. I've, I, I've preached this ever since I got saved and I believe it with all my soul. If you get saved, you're different than what you were before you got saved. Amen. Not outwardly. I'm the same as I was before I got saved. I, I met a guy yesterday and he said, you beat anything I've ever seen in my life. You don't grow older. I said, the Bible said that he takes care of his own. <laughs> and I didn't win. And, and, but in reality, I'm the same as I was on outward sin as I was before I got saved. But I'm not the same as I am inside as I was before. Why? Because, because God works on the heart, not on the flesh and not on the outside. The revelation is then that I can know I'm saved by the Spirit that's in me. That's the love of Christ in me. I'm different. Verse 10 is the expression of love in the new covenant. Let's do it. And I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. Notice now, number one, God's relation to the Christian. I will be to them a God. Meaning, He will be to them all that they could desire and expect to find in their God. In other words, uh, somebody says, I want to know God. Well, Jesus is God. And everything that I desire in a God, let's put it that way for just a second, everything that I desire in a God, Jesus is. So He's my God. Now turn over to 1 Corinthians for a minute. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And look at me in verse 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas or the world, or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God. Now, the expression here, the relationship, we have His wisdom for our direction, we have His power for our protection, we have His love for our spiritual satisfaction and joy. We have His Spirit for our instruction and consolation and satisfaction. We have His heavenly home for our abiding place forever and ever. Everything that we desire in God, Jesus is it. And that's what the Hebrews is all about. Now, the Christian relationship to God. And they shall be to me a people. It's a privilege to be God's people. But this privilege brings responsibilities with it. Our daily, our duty daily is to have a strong love for God, number one. Number two, it was reverently worship Him. Number three, is to consecrate our lives to His service. Number four, we're to be cheerfully to comply to His will. So all these things are written in our heart. You ever had somebody say, why do you go to church every time you turn around? I've had that brought up to me ever since I got saved. Because I want to. 
That's it. That's the only reason I go to church because I want to. Why come you want to? I don't care nothing about going to church. You're not his child. Because in my heart, that's, that desire's there. It's just there, and you can't do away with it. It's God's will for a child of God to do what God wants him to do. And it's written in your heart. I don't have to have bylaws and constitution. One of the worst things we ever did at Eyes Baptist Church is a preacher come out one day with a, 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 we all called it a liar sheet. Every, every one of us there, it, it was in the teaching and, and driving buses and things, we called it a liar sheet because the pastor brought it to the, you got to sign all of these that you will not do and you will do if you're going to teach a class or drive a bus or be a, a deacon or be a whatever, and you couldn't go to movies and you couldn't smoke and you couldn't cuss and you couldn't, and on and on and on and on. It had a list of things that you could not do and things you had to do. You had to go visiting. You had to win souls. You had to read your Bible so much. You had to do all these things if you were going to teach or be in any office in the church. And you had to sign that that you would do it or you couldn't be one. Everybody called it a liar sheet because you knew good and well you weren't going to do it. You're not going to do all those things listed down there. You don't have time, number one. Number two, in the, in the nature of the human nature, you're just not going to do all those things every day of your life. You're going to fail them. Now what God is saying, if you love the Lord and are saved by His grace, it's written in your heart. I don't need that sheet of paper. I don't need somebody's laws to tell me what to do. It's in my heart. I want a witness. And I want to read my Bible. I want to pray. I want to do the things of God. I don't need some preacher to tell me that. It's in my heart. Now, verse 17, notice the source of forgiveness. And let's go back now to Hebrews. Chapter 8 and verse 12. You know, 17. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and their iniquities I remember no more. The source of forgiveness, I will be merciful. Notice that. God did not say a man would be merciful. He says, I will be merciful. Amen? Isn't it wonderful to go to God and know that He's merciful? I mean, I fail every day of my life, but I still go to Him because I know He has mercy for me. And then notice the full, full, fullness of their sins, S-I-N-S's, and their iniquities with S on the end of it, meaning everything that we do. The fullness of forgiveness, God forgives you everything. Amen? All our sins. And it cannot be revoked. Their sins will I remember no more. Now, all of us human beings have something that I don't like. we got a computer. You ever had somebody do you wrong? And they'll come to you and they say, Would you forgive me? I, I know I said things against you. I did something. Will you forgive me? And we say, Sure, we'll forgive them. But you won't forget it. It'll forever be up there. And you cannot get it out because it's in your brain. But God said, I won't even remember it. Amen. Amen. And 
I never will forget what an old preacher said. I was reading one of his sermons one time. He said, it tickles me that these people come and they said, Oh Lord, you know about 20 years ago I offended somebody. Lord, would you forgive me of it? And then 10 days later you come back. Oh Lord, will you forgive me of that thing that I did 10 years? And the Lord said, What are you talking about? Think about that for just a second. <laughs> Here we are asking the Lord to forgive us something we already asked the Lord for and He's already done it. has gone. And He said, what are you talking about? He said He wouldn't even remember that no more. Amen? Amen. Now that's a, that's a privilege of being a child of God. His offering was perfect. It need not be repeated then. Heaven asks no more. Man needs no more. I don't need no more than what God's already done for me. And, and we're so guilty of this is going back to God and pleading with God all the time. And in the book of 1 John is written to Christians. And it is all written, the whole book of 1 John is written to Christians for one purpose, and that is that we might have joy in the Lord. We might rejoice all the time. Now listen to me very carefully, and this explains Hebrews chapter 8. You cannot, as a Christian, have joy in your heart all the time and rejoice all the time unless you really believe that Jesus loves you and forgives you. You can't do it. If you go around with a guilt complex all the time, with every little bitty thing the old devil comes and accuses you of, you're guilty and you, you feel so bad about it, if you go around, we'll all go around our heads down. Amen? But we ain't supposed to do that. We're Christians. We're children of God. Hold your head up. Keep going. Why? Because God forgot all that stuff. Amen. It's behind His back. You don't bring that stuff up again. It's gone. Amen? That's the sonship of Christ. I'm so thankful today I'm saved by the God's grace. Now this is a new covenant that God's made with his children. He died as a sacrifice which is never to be repeated. Amen. And that's the glory of it. I thank God for salvation in my Lord. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we ask his blessing to come in our name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.